Some stories are born of a fertile mind. Others come from the heart. Then there are those whose origin is shrouded in legend and history. Come explore mystery, folklore, fantasy, and wonder from the Green Velvet Chair. Episode 4, Game Night. Good morning, my dear. Good morning, love. Did you find the board games? We did. Hugo is putting them on the tables in the main room. We did have to search for them, though. Oh. Well, I put them in the third floor storage closet in the north wing last year. Apparently, the house decided to move things around. The games? The entire room. Oh, well, seems the house has started the hide-and-seek contest early. Let's hope it doesn't misplace any of the guests tonight. Martin, you're so silly. Everything will be just fine. Oh, look at the time. I need to hurry. See you at tea time, my love. I walked into the kitchen as Mrs. P was busy making delicious-looking tidbits for tonight. Good morning, Mrs. P. Good morning, Mistress Cat. I trust you slept well. I sat on a chair as she placed a cup of tea in front of me. Without pausing, she was a blur of movement. It's lemon ginger tea. Perfect pick-me-up. Help yourself to a Danish deer. They're fresh from the oven. I barely heard her as I was mesmerized by the speed at which she moved. I looked at the tea, then grabbed a Danish from the tray on the table. Oh, these are incredible. How do you do it? Years of practice. I could happily spend the rest of my life eating whatever you cook, Mrs. P. I would need to buy bigger clothes. <laughs> That's why the house has a gym. I'll keep that in mind. I'm really excited about the game night. It sounds like fun. She whizzed by me and pulled something from the oven. The smell filled the room. What is that? A game pie. It's enormous. I get it. A game pie for game night. Brilliant deduction. I spent the rest of the morning helping to set up chairs and decorations in the main floor ballroom. Hugo brought in logs for each fireplace. Look, it's snowing, I pointed to the floor-ceiling arched windows that looked out to the courtyard. I love this snow. Hey, Cat, how about a song? Hold on, let me think. Uh, oh, I got one. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen. Okay, your turn. When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even, brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel. When a poor man came inside, hold on, wait, wait for it, gathering winter fuel. As he sang this line, Hugo put the last of the logs he had been carrying down on one of the hearths. Oh, someone's at the door. I'll get it. I opened the door and a cold breeze blew into my face. A handsome older couple stood on the porch. I invited them in, turned around, and ran into Hugo. He took a step back, catching his foot on the leg of the hall table. He stumbled. 
Silly me, I tried to help him, and we both landed awkwardly in a sprawling heap on the highly polished floor. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Seagram. The woman turned to the man. Oh, look, Lionel, they've started the game already. You remember the one with the spots on the mat and the spinner? Yes, Marie, you mean footsie puzzle, except they're wearing clothes. He grinned at her. The woman giggled. Hugo, who's your lovely partner? Uh, I'm Mistress Cat. Uh, we aren't partners. We're just friends. I extricated myself from Hugo's hairy limbs, straightened my disheveled hair, and closed the door. It's a bit brisk out there. Come sit by the fire and I'll get you some hot cocoa. Thank you, Hugo. Hugo sat with them, chatting about his parents and siblings and all the things going on in his life. I sidled up to Mrs. P. Mrs. P., what is footsie puzzle? Oh, my little dear, I think I'll explain it later, in private. It's a game I haven't played in ages, she blushed. Uh, something about no clothes. Maybe I don't want to know, she blushed brighter. Uh, yep, I don't want to know. More guests showed up. The ballroom was filling up. At four o'clock, Mr. P. announced it was tea time. A line of little green, pointy-eared creatures marched in, carrying trays of food and drinks. Mrs. P., are those Santa's elves? Ah, oh, yes, dear. Mrs. Claus said they were getting restless and a bit too rambunctious. Too much time on their hands, since they have a surplus of toys. So she sent them here to help. Well, they are efficient workers. Well, yes, until they don't have anything productive to do, then they can get a bit wild. I can't imagine Santa's elves getting in trouble. Just wait and see, dear. Just wait and see. The room was buzzing with excited conversation as the elves cleared away the dishes. A musical chime sounded. Attention, everyone. There are envelopes in front of you. These contain instructions for the board game assigned to your table. They opened the envelopes. You could hear giggles and groans. <laughs> everyone ready? Begin. Sounds like dice being rolled, the ticking of spirits, animal noises, and shouts of in the library with a rope, and bingo, reverberated through the ballroom. At 7 p.m., the chime sounded again. It's time for those wishing to participate in the hide-and-seek competition to gather in the dining hall. I wove my way through the flow of creatures lining up to register. Reaching the podium, I found Mr. P. passing out numbers to each participant and giving them a tag with their number printed on it. Mr. P., can I help? Oh, uh, yes, thank you. As I give them a number, write their names next to the number on this list. He handed me a notebook and a pen. Ah, no problem. I can do this. He spoke to the next creature in line. You are number 72. Please give your name to Mistress Cat for our records. Yeah, yes, Monty. My name, my name is Monty. Oh, sorry, Montague, Montague Mole. I'm, I'm, I'm the groundskeeper. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mistress Cat. I, I adored, 
Oh, I simply adored your Aunt Victoria. I mean, I miss her. She and I both had a penchant for treacle tart with rum raisin sauce. Oh, and I, I do miss her witty conversation, too. Oh, yes, pleasure to meet you, Monty. The line kept moving. Creature after creature were registered to play. You are number 202. Please give your name to Mistress Cat. An eerie feeling came over me as I raised my head to see a figure in a hooded cloak standing in front of me. Um, name please. A. Morpheus. A. Morpheus? Yes. Okay, good luck. The line continued moving. There were only a few more to register. And you appear to be our final participant, number 240. Another hooded cloaked figure loomed in front of me. I involuntarily shuddered. Um, your name? Anonymous. Anonymous? Right, well, uh, good luck. Mr. P stood in front of the podium. Welcome, everyone, to our 454th annual hide-and-seek competition. Yay! I'm pleased to introduce our guest seekers, who will be wearing the traditional seekers' jackets to be easily identified. First, we have Miss Marple. She inclined her head. Next, Miss Nancy Drew. Cheers. She gave a polite wave. Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Sherlock nodded. Dr. Watson waved. Lord Peter Whimsey. Monsieur Inspector Hercule Poirot. Mr. Dirk Gently. Miss Veronica Mars. And Lieutenant Columbo. At the sound of the bell, you will have until midnight. Anyone not found by then will win a prize of their choice from the display behind me. For the teams, a cash donation will be made to the charity of your choice, if at least one of your members are still in the game. Seekers must come in contact with you to count you out, at which point you must surrender your number tag to them. If you are out, you may return to the ballroom for the remainder of the contest. There are 40 home base or safe rooms scattered throughout the house and grounds. You can only remain there for 15 minutes at a time. If you stay longer than the allotted time, the house will know. The rooms do move around, so they are marked with a bright yellow circle on the door. The house can work with you or against you. I believe it has a copy of Santa's naughty list. <laughs> you will have a 20-minute head start. The bell chime. That's the bell, everyone. Go, and good luck. 
The contestants swarmed to the exits, <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I swear there was a war cry and shouts of Judge! charge. The room cleared. Mrs. P served tea and cake to the seekers while they waited. I was tempted to ask them for their autographs. I was awestruck to be in the same room with these renowned individuals. I pulled Mrs. P to the side. Mrs. P, I thought that these people were just characters in books. Well, dear, go on over and have a chat. They won't bite. Go on, go on. I sat down with the group of seekers. I mostly listened to their amazing stories. At the twenty-minute mark, the bell chimed once more. The seekers thanked Mrs. P for the refreshments and left the room. The sound of the partiers in the main room drew me out of my haze and dreaminess. Miss Cat, are you all right? Uh, oh, yes, Hugo. I'm just taking it all in. I can't believe they are here. Who? The seekers? Uh, yeah. I've only read about them in books. They are a nice bunch. That Miss Marple plays a mean game of gin. There were a couple of contestants that kind of gave me the willies. Oh, which ones? The one that gave his name as A. Morpheus, oh, and another named A. Anonymous? Oh, I don't think I know them. I'll check with Mr. P. Don't want anyone misbehaving during the game. Thanks, Hugo. I went to the kitchen. It was crowded with elves. Mrs. P was giving instructions for them to keep the game players in the main room fed and hydrated. Hi, Mrs. P. Well, hello, dear. I need to escape this madness for a bit. Care to join me for a cuppa in the library? Oh, yes. Cups of tea in hand, we went to the library. Sitting in a pair of comfy green velvet chairs by the fireplace, we shared a companionable silence. There was only a slight rumble from the game players in the main room. Oh, it feels so good to put me feet up. This is one of my favorite rooms in the house, and these chairs are so comfy. These were your great Aunt Victoria's favorite, too, and she loved the library. She was a smart and funny lady, much like you, dear. I wish I could have met her. She patted my hand. As do I. We were startled by a creaking, and we watched as a bookshelf against the far wall opened like a door, then closed. Another creaking came from the other side of the room moments later. A wall panel opened, then closed. We looked at each other. Uh, must be the house? I'm not sure. Excuse me, dear. I need to find Mr. P. She exited through the doors, going to the main room. The party noise increased until she closed the doors behind her, leaving me in the quieted room. I continued sipping my tea. The bookshelf on the far wall opened and closed again. Then the panel on the other side of the room opened and closed again. Feeling a bit spooked, I decided I didn't want to be alone and went back to the kitchen. I entered the kitchen and was impressed by how orderly the elves were flowing in and out with refreshments. They put me to work slicing bread for sandwiches. Mrs. P 
Mr. and Mrs. P. were in the garden, sitting on a bench, laughing as the competitors ran past through the now heavy-falling snow. If I were participating, I would definitely find a place to hide and stay there. Penelope, dear, I'm sure we could find a place to hide together, he winked. Martin, behave. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson casually walked past. How goes the hunt, gentlemen? Quite well. Wouldn't you say, Watson? <clears throat> yes, yes. We've found forty-two so far. Jolly good. Onward, Watson, we have work to do. <clears throat> of course, of course. Good evening. They tipped their hats and continued walking. Mr. and Mrs. P. walked hand in hand back into the house. In the bushes behind the spot where they sat was a rustling sound. Then five elves, in various states of undress, rushed down the path, yeah! paying no heed Woo! to anyone who might have seen them. Then the rustling in the bushes happened again. Having shrugged off his cloak, A. Morpheus walked onto the garden path, naked and invisible. Seeing another group of streaking elves now running toward him, he jumped into the bushes on the other side to avoid being trampled. He landed on something soft. It yelped. Oh! What the fluff? Get off me, you oaf! He stared. It was another person. They both scrambled out of the bushes, running into another group of charging nude elves. They were knocked aside into a puddle of mud as they ran by. They stared at each other in shock. You're invisible. Well, so are you. Oh, look what you've done. This mud has made me partially exposed. He stared at her exposed parts. Well, I'm invisible too, and I'm covered with mud. I've been playing this tournament for twelve years, and I've never been found. Now what am I going to do? Ugh, come on, genius. She led him to the fountain in the center of the courtyard to wash off the mud. Hugo and Cat walked into the courtyard, chatting about the number of creatures that had been found so far. Cat stopped. Hey, I didn't know there were fish in that fountain. There's not. Uh, then what's that splashing? Hugo shrugged. The invisible twosome climbed out of the water, running in separate directions, leaving wet footprints behind. Something weird is going on. Hugo, there's always something weird going on here. On the third floor of the North Wing, Hercule Perrault strolled with his hands clasped behind his back. He occasionally paused to sniff the air and inspect the doors. Sherlock and Watson came running down the hall. Hercule, have you seen an invisible man? Uh, no, no, monsieur. Are you serious? If he's invisible, how would I see him? <coughs> yes, Holmes, he does have a point. Well, I would have thought you, dear fellow, could see beyond the obvious. Well, never mind. <coughs> Holmes, there, there's no need to be rude. Oh, uh, <coughs> nothing personal, good chap. There was a noise coming from the door beside them. Sherlock put a finger to his lips to quiet the other men. He turned the knob, 
It was a storage closet with mops, brooms, and a leggy blonde who was currently in a rather compromised position with a young man. Oh, we married, Miss Mars. The young man stood up quickly. Um, guys, this is not what you think. I, I was just, um, she was, I mean, seriously, Logan? Ugh. Veronica stormed off down the hall. Ronnie. <coughs> Ronnie, wait. Better go after her, young man. Uh, yes, sir. Ah, young love. The fools. The young man ran down the hall. Several doors opened and closed. He stumbled and fell, as if something knocked him down. He took off running again. The door behind the men opened and closed. They stared. I think you know me well enough now, Watson, to understand that I am by no means a nervous man. At the same time, it is stupidity rather than courage to refuse to recognize danger when it is close upon you. Another door opened. Someone screamed. <coughs> then the door slammed shut. The men ran to the door, throwing it open. There was a woman lying unconscious on the floor. Watson, the game is afoot. Dr. Watson used smelling salts to revive her. Mademoiselle, can you tell us what has happened here? She was clearly a hide-and-seek contestant. Um, I, I don't know exactly. I was uh, looking for a home base and found a room with an older woman sitting by a fire. She was really nice to me. She offered me some tea, and we had a nice chat. She said her name was Victoria. The woman put her hand to her head. Ouch. I, I think I bumped my head. Yes, yes. Uh, go on, young woman. Well, I, I figured I'd better get going. I, I didn't want to stay too long. I might get caught by those seekers. She looked up at the men. Oh, darn it. Dr. Watson checked her pulse. <clears throat> Don't worry about that right now, young lady. How did you end up here on the floor? Um, well, it's weird. After I left Miss Victoria, I came in this room to hide. After a few minutes, I peeked out the door and saw you guys. I was closing the door when something shoved the door open and knocked me down. Then someone said, sorry, and the door slammed. I must have passed out. Watson, did you see anyone? <coughs> no, Holmes. Hercule? No, monsieur. Something peculiar is going on. <clears throat> I, I dare say. Uh, Mr. P, something strange is going on. Ah, yes, Hugo. Mrs. P has said as much. We need to look into the matter. We cannot allow any disruptions to the game. Oh, okay, Mr. P. Hugo showed him the fountain and the two sets of wet footprints leading away from it. The invisible woman entered a bedroom looking to get warm. She was still shivering from her dip in the fountain and trek through the snow. With her teeth chattering, she locked the door and leaned against it. Oh, what do I do now? Those wretched men have sent someone to spy on me. Or is he pursuing me for another reason? Maybe he's trying to stop me. Oh, get a grip on yourself, Samantha. I have to follow through with this or or they will hurt Caleb. She sat with her back to the door, shivering and crying. 
Eek! Sorry, ma'am. Yeah, sorry. A band of elves ran through the ladies' bathroom and climbed out the window. What was that? Oh, I would call them streaking, shrieking elves. Well, I never. I have. What? Oh, lighten up, Edna. It's game night. We hope you're enjoying the story. To find out why the Invisible Woman is in the competition, who's chasing her? And do the elves get coal in their stockings next Christmas? Well, stay tuned for part two. The Green Velvet Chair is a production of Misty Harbor Media Publications. Sound engineering by Sean Force from Forces of Nature. Written and narrated by me, Kat. <laughs> <laughs>